Hello, everyone. Glad you could join us on the Real People, Real God podcast. We'll spend the next little while getting to know God a little bit better by getting into the Bible and hearing what He has to say to us and through us. Welcome. Today, I'm going to talk about something a little different, not what I normally talk about. And um, I'm going to talk about uh, the elections coming up. And uh, we have, America has some decisions to make. Most of those decisions has already been made. It's just not been made public. Some of you may have already started voting, and of course we know election day is coming up. I know in Charlestown and Martinsburg there have been lines for early voting um, uh, for the last several days, and uh, so uh, maybe we'll have a big uh, turnout this year. I don't know nationwide, but we have some questions uh, as believers that... um, you know that we we ask and we're curious uh, how 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 to vote how do believers vote how should we vote um and i am not all telling you what to do uh, but i want to give you some some points into some things that i feel that scripture is extremely clear about and so that's what we're going to talk about um first and uh so um the first thing that I wanted to, to talk to you about, or first one thing I wanted to say to you was that um, it is estimated that there are 30 million committed Christians in America who do not regularly vote. Whoa. 30 million. Whoa. Oh, and do you know how much 30 million is? It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. This is 10. So 30 million must be a lot. 30 million Christian, uh, committed Christians in America who do not regularly vote. Interestingly enough, every recent election in America has been de- decided by less than a third of that. So in other words, there's Christians out there that are not using their voice. They could be, they could actually be making a change uh, in, our, in our government, in our nation. The point is, is that we have this privilege to vote, and we should. But I know there's people that say, and I used to be one of them, that say, well, my vote's not going to matter. Little old me's not going to matter. Um, but, you know, there's one thing that we do have, and we have this conviction as believers that I think that we're supposed to express through voting in our nation how we feel according to being, you know, the Word of God and being believers and what our faith is and what we believe. I think there should be a conviction within us that we need to vote, you know, whether somebody hears our voice or not, but they do, really. It does matter. It does indeed matter. Um, So uh, God chooses to use His church, His people, to make change in the world. He, he chooses it. Now, we know he could, like, miraculously, supernaturally do whatever he wants. We know that. But he chooses to use his church, you and I, to make change in our world. And one of those ways is by expressing our beliefs and our convictions through voting. And so God chooses to use his church to change the world. But when his church sits down, he resorts to other methods which may not be pretty that we'll still have to deal with. So we have a voice, and I think we need to use it. I think we need to use it. So let's, let's look over some stuff here this morning as we talk about this and um, uh, talk about, you know, biblical, maybe biblical voting and, and that kind of thing. I just want to give you some of my viewpoints. Um, 
But the first question we have to ask is, you know, since our president is going to be uh, our leader, one of the things I think we first have to look at first is what qualities are found in a great leader? All right, so let me ask you, what qualities are found in a great leader? Just go ahead and shout them out. Integrity. Integrity. What else? What other qualities are found in a great leader? Compassion, is that what you said? Okay, compassion. What else? Patience. Patience. Somebody else said something. Honesty. There you go. I mean, these are all biblical things, right? And, and they're things that we need to find in a great leader. Uh, we have an example. Who's our example of a great leader? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. He showed a lot of those things, didn't he? What, else, what, other, what other things did Jesus show? Love. Love, yeah. Well, that's a hard one. Mix love and politics. That's hard, isn't it? <laughs> love and politics. So our president is going to be our leader, always has. That's the way our nation was designed. President's going to be our leader. And so one of the things that we want to look for probably, obviously, is the traits, the characteristics, the attributes of a good leader. And so that's number one on our list. You're welcome. If I get ringing in you, you have to turn me down. Um, so, qualities found in a great leader. First Kings chapter uh, 10, verse 9 says, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. Now, this is uh, talking about Solomon. Solomon, the one that had the wisdom, remember? That king. All this wisdom. The queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon because she heard of his wisdom and his greatness. And she knew the qualities of a good leader, and they were pointed out, to do judgment and justice. Judgment and justice. In other words, making good decisions, making right decisions, making just decisions. So these are qualities, these are biblical qualities of a great leader. Solomon being an example. A great leader shall uphold justice for the common good, and especially those who are poor and needy. As I began this search uh, for this sermon, this study, one of the things that I found in Scripture through the Old Testament and through the New, one thing God focuses on a lot, one thing that's really closest to God's heart is the poor and the needy. This is very close to God's heart. It, he talks about it often. In Psalm 72, for he shall deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him that has no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence, and precious shall their blood be in his sight. So uh, I think a good leader, biblically speaking, needs to have compassion, as somebody said, compassion for those that are poor and needy. Definitely compassion for them. You also remember back in Genesis that Joseph, you know, as second in command under Pharaoh, he took care of the poor and needy. He took care of them, especially when times were tough. This is a big deal in God's eyes. So this is, these are attributes of, of a leader, of a good leader. We often don't think about that part of it, but that's God's, God sees that. Leaders are humble servants. 
And Luke 22, but, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he serves. For who is, um, for who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So a leader is also a servant. Some of you might have heard the term servant leader. Servant leader. A leader is, is not somebody that, that dominates. It's somebody that, that, that also serves, that serves people through leading. Not somebody that, that becomes a, a dominating control person or, or a control factor, but leads. And also scripture taught, tells us about that leaders are not, should not be involved in wickedness. Proverbs 16, 12. It is an abomination for kings to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Good leaders are humble and kind and confident, strong-willed and vigilant. Now, I said all that. Now we have to look at this. When it comes to politics in America, especially nowadays, we may not always know the truth about who is running for office. We may not always know the truth because we get our truth, our, our information from three main sources here in America. The media, the candidate themselves through their speeches, and, and in interviews and conversations, and the candidate's past actions. Unless we know them personally, that's all we have. And as far as the media, we have to, I mean, can, can we trust them to share the absolute truth about a candidate? Now, I'm not on a, a media thing, but I'm, I'm honestly... We, we just can't because we're, we don't know where they're getting information, they're, 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 they're politically swayed, and so we can't depend on that for, for uh, absolute truthful information. Uh, and, and we go to the candidate speeches. Well, that's okay to a point, but as you know as well as I do, when people are on the, on the uh, presidential election trail or whatever office it might be, they're going to say a lot of things. And many of those things they may, may be just saying to get elected. I mean, we don't know. But we have that. And then the third thing we have is their past, what they've done in the past as leaders, you know, and, and some of that, you know, is factual. So we can go back and look at that as long as we know that information is true. So with all this wishy-washy information that we have, how as believers do we make a good decision, you know, based on the information we have? Because obviously we can't trust a lot of what we hear. What decision do we make? So let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Some people say, on the presidential side, some people say, I'm not voting for Biden because he did this or said that. Some people might say, I'm not voting for Trump because he said this and he said that. But all along, the basis of a lot of that information was based on bias information. So how do we know? How do we know? Before we vote, we have to understand a few things about how our country was organized. So. I'm going to take you into history just a little bit, if you can remember a little bit about um, high school and, and, and school and, and how our government is formed. The first thing is, what form of, govern, what form of government is the United States? It's a republic. It's a republic. It was designed that way, and it is. The word republic comes from the Latin word, which means public affair, so it is public. 
The Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. <clears throat> now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so de dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate this portion of the field as the final resting place for those who are here, gave their lives that this nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it for above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember that we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to that great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Did anybody have to memorize that in school? Yes. Some people did, yeah. Had to memorize that in school. Do you remember it? You still remember it? Do you really? I got the first line and that was it. <laughs> so... The last, what I really wanted to focus on there is the last line, and, the, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish for the earth. So there's that, that Republican, um, republic um, uh, kind of statement here, but let me take this a little further. A republic is a form of government in which a state is ruled by representatives of the citizen body. That's how we're formed. Now, our, gov our government currently is separated into two main parties. There have been a lot of parties in the past. The two main ones, there are a couple others, but I just wanted to focus on this because these are the ones that are front and center. Um, Democratic Party, a party that believes that supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them directly or indirectly through a system of representation, usually involving periodically uh, held uh, free elections. Uh, a system which the majority rules. The re uh, Republic, a Republican, is a state in which supreme power is held by the people and their elected representative and which has an elected or nominated president rather than a monarch. So these definitions are still today argued by whoever the experts are. They still argue the definitions and it's still argued whether the United States is truly a republic or not. These uh, definitions have a common denominator and is that that both parties um, are, uh, the government is kind of ruled, in other words, people have a voice in both parties. Um, but there is a stark difference. Um, and both parties have extreme arms in which some have more radical beliefs, which we see today. So many say that the U.S. is both a republic and a democracy. To be detailed, it is said to be a constitutional republic and an indirect democracy. Um, so it gets confusing, it gets crazy when we talk about parties uh, and, and whether our, our, our nation is in fact a republic. But 
according to the Constitution, um, it is a republic. In Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, it says, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government. So that is dictated to the states as their government. All right, so many people view the U.S. as a democracy. We are a republic, but we use um, democratic way of voting, um, the majority rules. So we kind of adopted that into the republic. Um, so two considerations to think. And just bear with me, because I'm getting to some better stuff here in just a second. I know this is kind of boring, but hold on. So it was designed as a republic. <clears throat> and the meaning of the word democracy has been diluted over time to reflect only majority rule, and more recently, mob rule, wanting to give citizens complete authority and control over and as the government. So the original definitions of democracy are, uh, and, and uh, republic have somewhat changed over time people have, have, have changed them. So they don't necessarily mean exactly what they did then, which comes our extremism and, and all that kind of thing. So it is true that the U.S. former government does include attributes of both a republic and a democracy, and there are a few things our founding fathers designed, uh, did to design to prevent tyranny and misuses of our, of our government. First thing is they designed three branches of the government to disperse responsibilities. Somebody name them for me. Executive, judicial, legislative. Those are the three branches of the government that, that our, our forefathers designed um, <clears throat> for checks and balances and that kind of thing. They designed a Supreme Court under the judicial branch, <clears throat> which is the court that has the final say. Um, over laws, <laughs> excuse me, and they set rules for Congress and rules for elections and, and many other things. So although we have a president, he cannot make all the law, he or she, I have to say, because one of these days it might be a she, cannot make all the laws and the rules alone. Um, there is a detailed process for this, as we hear often from the news. Um, the U.S. is not a monarchy. So in other words, we elect a president, but as you well know, that president can't make all the decisions themselves. So it takes the government. There are hundreds of people in government that go to make these laws and make these decisions. The president can make some, but he can't, you know, he can't do everything by himself. So the running of our government is based on the decisions of several hundred people and the president, which we all elect. Now, now that we've established all that, Let's talk about how we vote. The first thing I think, it's important to thank God that we live in a country where we do have a voice. Because so many, so many, their voice does not matter. And so we need to thank God that we live and that our country is designed in the way that it is so that we do have a voice and that we don't have one person dictating everything as in a monarchy or communist country or whatever. So uh, when we vote for a president, we are exercising our right as a citizen of this great country. We're selecting who we believe to be the best person to lead, not rule, but lead the United States of America. Turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 3, if you would. The scripture will be behind me if you don't have your Bibles. Um, I want to go down through a few points here that... Um, that I think are really important for us as believers to consider. <clears throat> this, this sermon, while you're turning there, this sermon was kind of um, 
kind of sparked by um, some things I've been reading and hearing that um, Christians have been, you know, saying about how they're going to vote and why they're going to do what they're going to do. And I was just really compelled to really get into Scripture and really find out how a believer, you know, in my opinion anyway, how a believer should be voting and what information we should use to find out who we vote for. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm presenting to you this to you today. This is normally not my kind of thing, but I think it's important that we do have an understanding. Um, there's a lot of believers out there, and I know you, some of you have heard me say this before. There's a lot of believers that don't know why they believe what they believe. They just believe it because somebody else had told them or whatever. But when you ask them, they don't even really know. And so I don't want that to be the basis for a Christian in their voting. You know, I want us to know, not just because we heard something somewhere or somebody said something, but that we really sought the Word of God and that we really sought God on this. So we know when we vote, when, we, when, when our conviction, you know, when we're sitting in a booth, that we vote what God has laid on our heart to vote through the resources that he has provided for us, not just because somebody said, you know. Um, so that's kind of my heart behind this. In Romans chapter 3, verse 9 says, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so this is talking about the Old Testament law. So I wanted to bring this in to you because um, this doesn't mean that there's an excuse for sin. Because there is not. There is never an excuse for sin. The whole little white lie thing that you heard about, uh, it, it's, still, it's, it's still a lie. It's still a sin. So there, there is no excuse for sin. Sin is what it is. Sin is deadly. It's the most deadliest uh, element and idea on the, on, in, in the universe. And uh, sin will send a human to hell for eternity. So it is a very real thing, and there is absolutely no excuse for it. But that's why we need Jesus. That's why we have Jesus. So... In this world, in this country and in this world, we can't look for human perfection because we're not going to find it. The candidate you choose for president is a human being, and he is not a righteous soul because none of us are. None of us are. And so we know that whoever it is that's going to be in office, whoever it is, whether it's president or even a lower, the lower state elections and all that stuff, um, if you're looking for a perfect person to fill an office, just go ahead and forget that because it's not going to happen. They just don't exist. I don't care how perfect they tell you they might be. 
it's just not going to be there. So first off, we scratch that one out. Um, because believe me, I hear people talk about that all the time about, you know, uh, well, this is wrong with this person. This is wrong with this person. This is wrong with this person. I don't think that's how we should really be looking to vote about what's wrong. You know, the, I mean, because we can find that everywhere. The candidate you choose for president should have some of the attri attributes that we mentioned earlier. Humility, kindness, confident, um, vigilant, um, you know. Uh, it would be nice if that person uh, are, were a Christian. That would be ultimate, you know. But honestly, we don't know another's heart, so we can't really be digging into all that. Um, but somebody that's compassionate and honest and truthful, just the things that you guys said, that's one thing that we should be looking for. The, now listen to this one. This is the difference. Right here is the difference for me. And this is I've felt this for a long time and more so now than ever. The candidate you choose for president should have a heart to advance the kingdom of God. Should have a heart to advance the kingdom of God. Now we can look at that and, and dissect that a lot of ways. But why is that important to me? Because that's God's will. That's God's will. That's the number one thing on God's, on God's top list of things he wants for us. Is that people know Jesus. And that's the advancement of the kingdom of God. That is number one at the top for me. Now, we don't obviously know these, these candidates personally. Uh, you know, most of us don't. But there again, we have to, might have to look at the past. We might have to listen to what they say, you know, to get an idea. Are they willing to advance the kingdom or at least not stop it from advancing? One of those two things. Those are my biggest things right there. Psalm 33, 12 said, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We've all heard this scripture. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The scripture is speaking specifically about Israel here. But any nation who puts God in his plan of salvation first is a nation who will be blessed by God. I mean, how many times have we heard, God bless America? You know, God bless America. You know, and, and, and a lot of people I don't think really, are, I don't under, think they understand what they're saying when they're asking God to bless America. Pastor Dollar was talking some, about something similar in her Sunday school this morning, but we're asking God to bless a nation, and the nation's not willing to bless God. You know, the nation's not willing to, as a whole, I mean, is not willing. I mean, we're getting further and further and further away from that. You know, where, where now, you know, so many don't even want God mentioned, don't even want his, him as an option or anything like that. And how is God going to bless a nation that is casting him to the side? I mean, I mean that's, you know, that's this crazy to me. But anyway, that's, that's kind of what's happening. We're asking God to bless a nation. If you're asking God to bless a nation, that means there needs to be repentance in your heart for the things that you've done in order to be in that blessing, to be in that will. That's God's design. That's what he's designed. The kingdom of God is not from this world or is it of this world, but it can be experienced in this world. Jesus did it every time that somebody was healed, every time that he showed love and compassion, every time that he told them that God loved him, every time he touched them. And there were a couple occasions he says, the kingdom of God has just passed near you. You know, and so it is possible to experience the kingdom of God on earth. And that is God's intent, that his church, that you and I, those that believe in Jesus and serve him, will allow the kingdom of God to come through us to some degree in this earth. 
And so people can experience. I'm looking for a leader who allows the kingdom of God to be experienced and does not create roadblocks. So his own agenda or hers or the agenda they represent that takes precedence over God's. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that doesn't create roadblocks. If, at least if they don't you know, uh, try to advance the kingdom, that they don't stop the church from doing what we've been given the right to do from the creation of our nation, and that is advancing the kingdom of God. That's one of the reasons this country was settled to begin with. You know, and so that is a right that we all have, and, and that's something for me is a big deal when it comes to electing a leader. is somebody that is not preferably promotes that, but definitely does not block it. Um, that's, that's my perspective. Just because a candidate believes in God, it does not mean he is promoting the kingdom of God. Promoting the kingdom of God means acknowledging Jesus as Savior, because you cannot promote the kingdom of God without Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way to the kingdom. He's the only way in the kingdom. So just because uh, a politician says that they believe in God and, you know, God bless America and all this stuff does not believe, uh, does not necessarily mean that, you know, they're going to promote the kingdom of God because it takes Jesus to do that, you know. Um, but anyway, somebody that does not uh, uh, forbid that or block that from happening. Um, a president... How can a president promote the kingdom of God? Lots of ways. But first off, trying to prevent the squelching of Christianity by upholding laws that, com that uh, promote Christian character, not being afraid to say the name of Jesus in public. Um, I, I brought that one up because it's real important to me. Um, maybe you remember there used to be a series on, on TV called Touched by an Angel. Many of you, you know, um, and Roma Downey and her husband are the ones that made the... the the, the Jesus movie. I can't remember the last, the recent name of it. Um, anyway, they're Christian people, and um, so Touched by an Angel uh, was really an awesome show. I remember watching it, loved it, and um, um, you know, when the angel would, would come towards the end, the angel would come to, or she would come to speak to the person with the issue or whatever. The messages, as the series progressed, the messages started getting more and more intense about the plan of salvation. And uh, I remember there was a Christmas episode where, you know, where Jesus was talked about and they actually said his name. And, you know, uh, strikingly, it, it's interesting that it was shortly after that that the series was, was, was done. It was nothing to hear God's name. They always use God's name. But the second they started using the name of Jesus, it was done. And that's for a lot of things. That's for a lot of things. And the reason why our society has accepted God, but not so much Jesus is, is because a lot of religions have a God. So it's somewhat generic. But when you say the name of Jesus, now our God is a Christian God. Nobody else's. And so he's exclusive to the Christians. And that's what people don't want. And so it's one thing to say God, but it's another to say Jesus. And I want, a lay, I, would, I want a leader that's not afraid to say the name of Jesus. I don't know, you know where their heart is, and that's not for me to judge. But if they're not afraid to say the name of Jesus, then I know they're not afraid to advance the kingdom of God. That's a big one for me. Big one for me. <clears throat> 
The candidate you choose for president should have a support system that agrees with his values and agenda. And I said this because this is so important. It's not one person that makes all the decisions, although they have a great influence and they can make some decisions. But it takes all of Congress to do this. And so we have the support system, and the support system most of the time in our country right now is the political parties. Um, but having a support system that agrees with their agenda and where they're going, uh, you know, where the, the, the direction they want to take our nation in, um, that's important. When we choose a president, we're not just choosing one individual. We are also choosing his or her, his or her support system as well. And the questions that we need to ask, does that support system work to advance the kingdom of God or at least not block it, stifle it? Does that support system back the candidate or is it looking to hijack him or her uh, and force their own agenda on American people? These are the questions that we have to ask because it's the support system that means a lot as well. Because just because the president wants to pass something doesn't mean it'll happen, um, but his support system or her support system will certainly, uh, you know, make it a, a much greater chance. Lastly, the candidate you choose for president should be the one who God leads you to vote for. This is the most important thing. Like I said before, it's so easy. You go out of these doors, and it's so easy to hear people say, I'm going to vote for this person. I'm going to vote for that person. So easy to hear it. We hear it all day long right now. But if you were to ask them, why are you going to vote for that person, then you're probably going to get all sorts of answers. One of them is, is because, well, I can't vote for the other one. Well, you know, is that, is that a reason? I mean, is that a good enough reason? I don't know. You have to ask God that. But what I'm saying is so many people are basing their, their decisions on what they have heard from others and not what God has said or not what God has, has, has given us in his scripture. You know, we, people haven't spent time praying and really, I mean, we've, we've been known, we've known for our whole life that every four years that we get a new president. So, you know, we should be praying way ahead of time. God, show me, you know, show me who you want me to vote for, who, who really upholds your scriptures, your ways, your promotes and advances your kingdom more than, than any other. Who, who is that? And, and start listening and looking and watching, but don't, but, but don't rely on um, unreliable sources in which, to me, that's most all the sources out there, unless you know that individual personally, who you're going to vote for. You know, uh, I, I hear some Christians say this, and I love this the most. I'm going to vote the Bible. I'm going to vote the Bible. I'm going to vote God's Word. I'm going to vote what, what I think, you know, according to the way the Holy Spirit has, has shown me discernment, I'm going to vote according to the individual, the, the person that upholds this scripture the most and advances this, this, the kingdom the most and, and not turn God's people against, you know, or a people against God's people. You know, that's who I'm looking for. Um, don't vote the media's choice. Don't vote your friend's choice. Vote God's choice and pray, pray, pray. You know, we have a voice as the church. You know, uh, we have a huge voice. And that voice, voice should be used to promote and advance the kingdom of God the best we know how. And our forefathers set our nation up in such a way that we could do just that. You know, and, and they set up ways also to protect those rights. And so that's something else to consider. 
those rights need to remain protected because that's how our nation was founded. And as soon as those, those rights be taken away, then we're no longer a republic and we're actually no longer a democracy. We're something completely different. And that's what we don't want to happen. God has planned it from the beginning that his people be preserved and perpetuated, that his kingdom be perpetuated until he comes again. That has been God's uh, uh, mission the whole time. Israel, remember in the Old Testament, always protecting his people, always, even if it meant protecting them from themselves, protecting them. And in trying to advance them, trying to preserve them, you know, and their hard-headedness and the rebellion, continually trying to keep them close to him, making all sorts of ways for them to, to uh, you know, to stay near him. And, and, you know, they continue going other ways. Then he sends us Jesus. This is all about the pres preservation of the people that he wants to spend with in eternity. And, and that's what this is about. And so that's that's how I want to vote, somebody that's going to allow that to continue to happen, allow God to continue um, to, to preserve his people and to advance the kingdom of God. And, and, but that's just me. And I, I hope that you seek God as well. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. Um, I'm sure all of us have probably already decided who we're going to vote for. Um, and I hope maybe this has just shed some light on some foundational issues and foundational thoughts that, that we have on, on our president. Um, and, and so as we do, um, and I also want to say this, God's very specific about us praying for our leaders. Praying for our leaders. Um, whoever is in office, we need to pray for them. Whoever it is, even if you don't like them, we're still supposed to pray for them because ultimately this authority is given by God. You know, um, and he's the one that's responsible. He's in control. Um, the president's really not in control of the kingdom of God. God is in control of the kingdom of God. Um, and so, as as we uh, as we go through this the next few weeks, you know, um, things uh, could possibly get ugly. We don't know what's going to happen. It could get ugly. It could be. Um, you know, a lot of contesting and just who knows what's going on. I want to encourage you to just stay confident in God. That God has got things under control. And his will is going to be done one way or another. You know, he wants us to use our voice as believers. Please use your voice. Please get out there and vote the Bible. Vote God, you know, God's heart the best you know how. Um, but just trust him. Trust him. As you see all, see different things unfolding, you know, you can just sit back and kind of chuckle and say, hey, God's got this. God's got this. You know, I, I'm not scared. I'm not concerned. God's got this. You know, and uh, um, God's going to do uh, what he thinks needs to be done. And uh, according to his will, um, I believe I know what his will is, you know, but he is God. I'm not, you know. Um, so I just want to encourage everybody to, um, to keep the joy of the Lord and uh, to do your, your um, uh, duties and devoting your Christian duties as well as your uh, um, duties as a U.S. citizen. Um, but trust God. 
trust God. God's in control, and uh, he's going to get glory, and that's what really matters, you know, more than anything. I'm excited uh, for the future. I'm excited to see what God's doing because uh, I know that God's got a plan for our country and for our world, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm just excited to see him do what he does every day. And uh, some of the stories that some of you folks have shared with me about your life and your past, I am I'm continually amazed and astounded um, by what God does in our lives, you know. And um, so I know that he's got many more things to do in all of our lives, miracles to work and just all kinds of uh, things that he wants for us. So. Um, I'm encouraged and I'm excited. I'm excited about this church. I'm excited about all of you guys coming. I know God's got big plans for this church. So, you know, we're rolling into a new year, um, new pre uh, either a new president or a current president. Um, but uh, it's a new time, um, a fresh season, and I'm excited about it. So could I ask everybody to pray with me this morning? God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for, uh, for your word, Lord. And, and God, I know there's a lot of um, chaos and confusion out there, Lord. Um, when it uh, comes down to our nation, Lord. And, and God, I know this is important to you as well, Lord, and, and that's why we stopped to talk about it, Lord God. And uh, so, so, God, I just pray that each one of us, you know, hear your voice clearly, um, and maybe some of us have, but also, Lord, not just in our choice, but in the reason that we make our choice, Lord. Uh, let there be a foundation. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us in a way that that we know for sure. That way when somebody asks, we just don't give them some um, crazy answer, but we actually, we actually know why we vote the way we do. And um, because it's you, Lord, it's your word, it's your will. So God, I just pray for that discernment, Lord God. And uh, God, we pray for peace in our nation. Um, Lord, as we go through these elections, Lord, that there not be a bunch of craziness going on, but, but that there be peace, that peace will prevail. So, Lord, just have your way um, uh, in this election, but also have your way in your people, Lord, and uh, continue to speak into our lives. God, I thank you for each one that's here uh, this morning, Lord. And as we go our separate ways, Lord, I pray safety. And, God, that you would uh, continue um, to uh, allow your word to become, to, uh, become life within each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you could join us for this episode of the Real People, Real God podcast. You can support this podcast by visiting www.valleyviewchapel.net and click on the donate button. Music was by Kevin McLeod, and my name is Tim Howard. Until next time, may the Spirit of God continue to teach you His ways.